Welcome to Global Data Pod. I'm Nora Santivani, and joining me today is Michael Hansen. Hey, Mike, good to have you on again. Second podcast in two days. <laughs> um, so today, we get enough inflation. Right, right, exactly. So today's research wrap is our regular once a month global inflation monitor discussion. And we'll be sharing our key takeaways from the latest CPI reports for December and talking a bit about how we see uh, these numbers shaping the near term outlook and how central banks might react to it. So let's dive straight in. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think obviously the the headline focus, if you will, is not actually headline, it's on core goods, but we probably want to start uh, on the headline front and particular kind of <laughs> see what's going on, on on both the food and, and energy side of things before we pivot to the to the more, I think, more interesting, but the, the obviously interesting core story as well. So um, maybe have you kick it off there. Yeah, so globally, both headline and core uh, consumer prices rose 0.3% month on month. And so that was affirming from the November readings for both of those. In over year ago terms, uh, headline inflation actually ticked higher uh, in, in December, although core still managed to ease a little bit. I think the main takeaway for me is that... Um, for, for core inflation, if you look at the run rates, you know, we had that very material disinflation through the first three quarters of 2023. We got down to about a 3.2% pace in the third quarter. But actually in the fourth quarter, that that reading looks to have steadied around this 3% pace. So, uh, you know, the progress on disinflation uh, seems to be slowing down here um, into, into the end of last year. A uh, headline on these three-month rates it has actually come down very sharply, close to 2%. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the sharp declines in energy prices we saw. But that, too, looks to be fading. So a, a lot of, a lot of um, you know, what was helping to bring inflation down into the end of last year, many of those drivers um, seem to be um, steadying or fading out here. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And, and to your point, I mean, we have... Uh, a, a decent acceleration, uh, particularly in core, but but in headline as well, uh, on the um, uh, you know into this quarter relative to what we saw uh, in the fourth quarter of last year. So I don't know which piece of that you want to kind of pick up on first, but obviously the both the core goods and core services stories are somewhat relevant to that. So. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, core goods is the one that we delved into in, in detail. I, I would invite everybody to listen to the podcast recorded on January 23rd related to the shipping disruptions and how we see those affecting uh, core goods pricing. But from what we see in the December reports is that core goods prices actually started rising already in December. And, you know, this was even before those shipping disruptions started. So, uh, there was already a, a clear fading of the deflation pressures in core goods prices. We had a 0.13% month-on-month increase in December. That was the first increase we saw since last summer. And so the three-month run rate on core goods inflation is back to zero from minus one. So we did have this period where we kind of undershot the, the kind of pre-pandemic historical norms, if you like. And now we're, uh, we're, at, we're at zero percent. And you know, it's it, what what seems to be the case is that the supply chain um, normalization, which was you know helping to bring core goods inflation down, has largely run its course, and deflation in core goods prices uh, had already started to fade. And now, with this surge in shipping costs, you know, 
we think that will add another something like zero seven percentage points over the course of the first half. Although, as we noted in the earlier podcast, um, uh, we're probably not going to see much of that impact feed through until later in the first quarter, early second quarter. But yeah, the bottom line is that um, uh, core goods inflation is uh, is starting to turn turn up here. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to recognize that first of all, the weakness that we had in core goods inflation, to your point, has already started to turn. And that's not, it shouldn't be too surprising because I think a lot of the factors that were driving that lower were probably not sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is this a- outstanding question we can talk about in a minute about the spillover from you know continued deflation in China. Uh, and I know clients are still talking about that. But obviously on the supply chain side, as you pointed out, and we talked about the podcast yesterday, there's uh, there's notable movement now to the upside given what's happening with you know shipping costs up 150% roughly since the beginning of December globally and 350% for some of the routes between Asia and Europe. Um, the other thing is we did get the DM flash PMIs today and mm-hmm. on the manufacturing side, they are also leaning in the direction of there being some upward pressure there. So you're seeing, for example, uh, indications that supplier delivery times are starting to pick up. So yeah. the DM aggregate, you um, the way the numbers work is this number gets smaller in the DM uh, or in the PMI uh, supplier deliveries measure. That's a lengthening of delivery times, right? That's more yeah. pressure from supply chains. So those numbers have come down, went from 51.8 uh, in December to 48.6 in January. They may not sound like a lot, but it is the lowest reading in over a year. You got to go back to late 2022 yeah. numbers like that. Um, and you saw really big movement in the UK. It was down over eight points and the euro area was down 4.6 points. Um, so, you know, those are the places where you might think you have the biggest uh, impacts and there's some sign of that happening. There's not quite as much movement in input prices. That'd be the other place you might look to see this. Although as you talked about earlier, there's probably a bit of a lag involved there. Uh, but it is up to the highest level since April. It's up, uh, about uh, a little more than a point. Um, it was not up in the euro area, interesting, but you did see a, a, a decent-sized pop of six points in the UK and you're up more than two points in the US. So overall, I think those are leaning in the direction that, again, we're not going to get some sort of major reacceleration in goods prices, but the goods disinflationary force has probably turned the corner, as you said, and, and there's some upside risk here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And already in the December CPI numbers, if we go by country, there are a couple of countries where uh, core goods prices rose in you know, mm-hmm. by quite significant amounts. UK is up 0.3, your area 0.2, uh, Canada 0.5, and I could go on. So, um, you know, the US itself was flat on the month, but that comes after a six month streak of negative readings, right? So there too. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You're running minus 3% annualized at one point, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, exactly. So the, as we mentioned yesterday, there's probably going to be some noise in the U.S. numbers around used car prices and whatnot. But I think broadly, the, the point is that the, the deflationary impulse from from China, the earlier disinflationary impulse from the normalization of supply chains, all of that is fading. It's still there. So I'm not saying it's gone away completely, but the intensity of it is certainly fading. So yeah, that's that's on the good side. Now, uh, maybe shifting to the the, the services side, um, you know, things look pretty firm. Another firm month for service uh, service prices here is zero uh, three five on the month. The 
the run rate here in the three months to December is still hovering in this four to four and a half percent range that it has occupied since last June. You know, reflecting tight labor markets, strong wage growth. So, you know, all the arguments we've been making for for some time are, you know, leaving services inflation pretty sticky here. And, you know, our view is that we get some moderation there, but not a lot. So that for the first half, we're still running pretty close to 4% globally on services inflation. So that's the forecast. Uh, what are you seeing in the U.S. On, on, on services? There's a lot of attention, obviously, on the various uh, measures that... Um, right, well, we're... Right. So we will get um, the PCE report uh, at the end of the week. Uh, and that's obviously where there's a lot of focus. Um, we are looking for um, the PC has been running a decent amount to the core PC below CPI. We look for that gap to continue in the very near term. Right. So about two tenths uh, on the month that translates to a fairly soft uh, 1.7% on a three month annualized rate, uh, about uh, 2.1%. Um, on a uh, on a year ago rate for the core, the super core the Fed used to talk more about doesn't talk quite as much about these days. We still think is probably worth paying some attention to. It's going to be a fair bit firmer as it has been, right? Um, so you know we know rental inflation is coming down, but other stuff, as you point out, has remained sticky. About uh, basically four tenths, uh, 0.38 on the month, and so you're talking about a three month rate that's two and a half percent. Uh, and a, a year ago rate that is definitely coming down. Uh, Three, four, I think, is low as we've been in, in a couple of years. But again, it's it's enough elevated that I think people have been a little quick to say, hey, the run rate on on core PC inflation is two or below two, and therefore the Fed's going to ease mm. pretty. It seems to be at odds with the Fed talking about the totality of data. I, I feel it's going to be hard for Fed officials to point to just the PCE if the CPI yeah. is still hanging there so firm. Uh, but yes, yeah, to your point, the core and particularly the services side of core sticking in the U.S. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and looking at our uh, country economist forecast um, for the first quarter, uh, they have um, core CPI inflation in the U.S. holding steady at above 3%. Uh, core PC inflation picks up a little bit. It's something like 2.4, 2.5. So yeah, as you say, it's not all clear. It's not like you, can, like you can declare victory on the back of these numbers just yet, but certainly some progress, right? So we'll, we'll certainly yeah, acknowledge that. If you look at the details too, I'd say that progress, you know, there's been some progress in labor market cooling. I'd probably not as much as some people were thinking. And that's not just US. I think that's broader across DM, right? Labor markets are cooling, although they're not cooling dramatically. The thing that I thought was kind of more interesting, not just US, but again, notably the US, inflation expectations are finally starting to come down. So that's a little bit more encouraging on this disinflation story. I think the question is, are all those pieces moving fast enough to allow central banks to ease by, say, March or April, which is what markets are priced? And we're still obviously skeptical on that front. So where where we have had, I think, better news is in the euro area, where core price pressure seemed to have moderated. And uh, we did revise our inflation forecast down uh, for the near term. We have the run rates now, you know, about two and a half percent annualized for the first half. So that's, you know, a decent move down uh, on its way uh, down to the ECB's right. uh, target. There's a fair number of distortions. Uh, those are starting to fade. Uh, there will be some... You know, upward pressure coming on um, energy prices uh, here. Higher taxes will lift gas and electricity prices at the start of the year. But as I said, on core inflation, we're looking for things to run closer to two and a half. And then for EM broadly, core inflation has been 
hovering around this 3.8% pace, we expect that to come off a little bit to like three, three and a half percent by the middle of the year. So yeah, so on net, we do have global core inflation picking up a, a, a little bit, but um, you know, as I said, kind of sticky around this 3% uh, pace. Yeah, well, I would say argue that the, the dichotomy between EM and DM is actually interesting here, right? Because once you strip out, you know, China, which obviously is very low inflation, Turkey is very high inflation, EM is cooling this quarter and next mm -hmm. quarter relative to the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And yeah. DM is not. The, the, yeah. the, the, the run rate, in both the first quarter and the second quarter for our DM inflation is above mm -hmm. what it is in the fourth quarter. And again, I think this gets back to the story about the dichotomy we're seeing in, in the EM central banks being able to you know, have already started easing and, and continuing to move in easing direction and the DM central banks not rushing to the exits the way the markets are pricing. That's right. That's right. So uh, maybe let's talk a bit about the energy and food uh, side of things. There's some interesting things going on there, too. So, you know, the, the fall in energy prices was a significant source of inflation relief in the in the fourth quarter. We had big declines uh, over October and November, and that reversed much of the earlier third quarter spike in, in energy prices. So now through December, energy CPI is actually a huge drag uh, on, on headline inflation. Having said that, as I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, the energy CPI was flat on the month in December and crude oil prices have stabilized. So I think much of that drag uh, from energy prices is now fading. So heading into the first half of this year, I would expect those negative numbers to head back to zero and, and possibly even turn positive, um, depending on <laughs> what oil outcome we get. But if we take our commodity research team forecast, that that will swing uh, to, a small, uh, to a small positive. So energy inflation as well. Um, through late last year, we're, we're still a drag on headline, but that, that source of disinflation as well is fading. And then on uh, on food inflation, uh, there as well, we, we had an earlier spike led by EM Asia through the third quarter that then subsequently unwound. And, you know, we've been running pretty steady around this three and a half percent pace for the last couple of months. We've been watching El Nino very closely. It does look like El Nino is starting to have a more visible impact on consumer food prices in some EMs, namely Brazil. So there we got an upside surprise in inflation that was driven by higher uh, fresh food prices. And EM food inflation has started picking up again in momentum terms uh, through December, even as DM inflation has continued to cool. So I think that's an interesting development. Overall, I would say that the impact of El Nino on EM food prices is still generally more modest than the past strong episodes. And you know, part of the reason for that is governments um, in EM have also put in place a number of preemptive measures to stem those upward pressures. And India is a very good example of that. So uh, more, you know, globally top down, the FAO food index, which is a broad measure of global food prices that we like to look at, that actually continued to decline through December is down 10% on the year. So uh, overall, I would think that the pressures from food inflation are still generally modest, um, even though we are seeing some signs of El Nino having an impact here and there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you put that all together, again, I think it circles back to this idea that on the on the EM side, there's likely enough evidence and enough confidence to allow central banks to still largely engage in uh, more accommodative stances, with some exceptions, obviously. But in the DM, I think there's still enough concern or skepticism among central banks 
Uh, and yeah. I, I do think it's probably underappreciated that there's a decent move up in core inflation of the DM space in our forecast. Yeah, look, I would, I would, if Greg was here, he would say, don't look at the Q and Q star that much because there's a bunch of these distortions that are fading. And so we, we did undershoot, right? So if you look at where sure. your area core inflation yeah. got to, we got down all the way to what was it, zero nine in the three months to November, and now we're popping back up. So, yeah, so and we did move forward our ECB call as well. Right. I mean, yes. we, we moved them yes. from September to, to, to June. Yeah. But again, the markets have been pricing even earlier. Yes. Easing, yeah. And we are we continue to push back against that. And, and no small part of that is because we're, it's not clear to us the inflation outlook is as benign yeah. as markets seem to think. Yeah, I think there's some convergence between what the market's pricing and, and our views. Right. So we've been yeah. pulling forward some of this DM easing. The market's pushing it back. We seem to be converging on this maybe 2Q, you know, <laughs> middle of the year. <laughs> Give or, give or take middle of the year. But Bank of England as well, we pulled forward, right, August. Um, and, you know, that's despite fairly sticky services inflation. So, yeah, so let's see what we get. Um, but you're right, on EM, um, we think the easing cycles very much uh, continue. Uh, we don't think they're necessarily being front-loaded or accelerated, but, you know, they, they can continue to cut at the steady pace that we've penciled into the forecast and broaden as well across countries and regions um, as we head into the middle of the year. And once the Fed and other DM central banks get going, then we can see the likes of EM Asian central banks starting to cut policy rates as well, despite their relatively low rates already. So uh, for now, it's LATAM, CE, but it's, it's certainly broadening. Okay, well, let's leave it there. Um, Mike, um, thank you so much for, for joining and thanks to everyone for listening. And we look forward to the next episode of the Global Datapod Research Fab. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2024 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 24, 2024.